Almighty God and Father, you've promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire, and it will succeed in the matter for which you have sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So page nine in your worship bulletin, the sermon outline, Roman numeral one refers to verse 15 of our gospel reading. Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what I command. So Roman numeral one, Christ is not doubting the love of his disciples. He assumes, he does not question his disciples' love for him. That's Roman numeral one. Christ assumes their love. He's not questioning it. Rather, he's defining what love is. Love in the Bible is not primarily an emotion. There's nothing wrong with emotions. But that's not what love, that's not what agape is in Holy Scripture. It is an action. As the Apostle John wrote in his first letter, little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in deed and in truth. And that describes Christ's love for his disciples and his love for us. And he illustrated that love perfectly when he washed his disciples' feet. We read that account on Monday, Thursday evening. That's from John chapter 13. In the act of foot washing, Jesus showed his disciples the full extent of his love because he used the foot washing as a picture or an illustration of what he would do on Easter weekend. In the foot washing, we read that Jesus did this. He laid aside his outer garment. He served his disciples in the foot washing action. And then he took up his outer garment once again and put it back on. Now, compare that to John chapter 10 where Jesus says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I laid down my life only to take it back up again. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up. This command I received from my Father. So, laying aside his garment now illustrates laying aside his life. Taking the garment back up and putting it back on illustrates the resurrection, taking up his life once again. It illustrates his unconditional love for his disciples and for you and for me. Letter A. Christ's disciples are those who let themselves be loved by him. They let themselves be loved. I hear Christians say things like, well, you need to let God do this or allow God to do that in your life. Now, I don't like that language. I understand what people mean when we speak that way, but it's poor theology. None of us are in a position to let God or allow God to do anything. God will do whatever God will do. He's God. Instead, we must allow ourselves to receive what he has to give. In John 13, Jesus washed his disciples' feet, and Peter objects. 
saying, Lord, you will never wash my feet. Jesus responded, unless I wash you, you have no part in me whatsoever. In other words, Jesus is saying, Peter, listen up. I give, you receive. Be receptive to what I have to give. And my friends, no better advice can be given or taken than that. Be receptive to what God has to give. Christ's disciples are those who let themselves be loved by him and who allow themselves to be fed by him in word and sacrament. Letter B. Faith makes love possible and love expresses itself in obedience in obedience or in willing service in willing service Jesus or actually John the apostle wrote we love because he first God first loved us in other words we love God because we believe he's a loving forgiving lord Luther used to say that he would hate God when he viewed God only as a demanding judge It was not until Luther learned to see God as the Savior of humanity that he could love God in return. Faith in a loving, forgiving God must come first because that is what creates love in our hearts and good works naturally flow from love. That's why I added verse 1 to the gospel lesson for this morning. It's actually from last week's gospel, but it mentions faith. You know, believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus says. Faith is the mother of love, and love is the mother of good works. Roman numeral two, Christ's departure inaugurates the coming of the Spirit. Jesus said, unless I go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. Now, Christ's going away begins at the cross where he atones for our sins because the spirit cannot be given to us unless we are first forgiven our sins. I think many of us would not want to move into a home unless the home had been cleaned and repaired from the previous guests. In the same way, the spirit dwells only in those who have been cleansed by the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus. In letter A, Notice the Son mediates. He mediates the Spirit's presence. That's evident in verse 16. Verse 16 reads, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. That's letter B. He will give you another helper. And notice in that sentence, I've bold-faced the members of the Trinity. This is a triadic statement, a, a Trinity statement. And I, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, will ask the Father, the first person of the Trinity, and he will give you another helper. That signals Jesus is the first helper. The Holy Spirit's another helper. And the helper is the Spirit. So the Son is distinct from the Father, and yet one with him. The Spirit is distinct from the Father and the Son, and yet the Spirit is one with them. Roman numeral three, our need of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus says in John 16, truly I say to you, it is to your advantage that I go away. In other words, once Jesus has completed his work of dying and rising for our sins and ascending to heaven, what we need then most of all is the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit cannot come until Christ's work of redemption is complete. Letter A. That means the time for our God-given external guidance system is past. The time for our external guidance is past. And that external guidance, guidance that comes to us from the outside, that is the law of God. The law is external to us. It relies on threats and coercion to keep us in line. The law is like the curb out there on Central Avenue. The curb is there to help keep cars off the sidewalk where they don't belong, and it helps keep them in the street where the cars do belong. So the law of God, the commandments of the Lord, function as a curb for you and me a curb for people to help keep us in line. And there are consequences when we don't remain in line. That's the function of the law. And even Jesus, in a sense, even Jesus functioned that way during his earthly ministry. When Jesus taught his disciples, he was not yet inside of them. He was still external to them. And that's why they were slow to understand and to grasp everything he said. But with the ascension of Christ, the time for God's external guidance is past. With the descent, the coming of the Holy Spirit, letter B, the time for our God-given internal guidance system has arrived. Our internal guidance system has come. Jesus says this of the Holy Spirit, you know him for he dwells with you, and here's the point, he will be in you. He will be internalized. From now on, he will be operating inside of you and inside of me. The prophet Jeremiah foretold this in chapter 31 of his prophecy. This is what he wrote. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the old covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. This is the covenant I will make with my people of Israel after that time. I will put my law into their minds and I will write it on their hearts, not just on tablets of stone, but on hearts of flesh. I will be their God. They will be my people and they will know me from the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness I will remember their sins no more. That's the new covenant in Christ. It's inscribed on each and every believer's heart. My friends, in our gospel reading for this morning, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a spirit of truth because the truth about God is Christ. It is Christ crucified and risen for our salvation. Jesus, as we learned last week, is the full revelation of the Father's love for us. And it is the Holy Spirit that reveals Jesus to us. Point number one, the world opposes the truth. The world opposes, it resists the truth. The world prefers lies to the truth. 
the world and our own sinful nature, we're part of the world too, our sinful nature is, prefer to believe that we are innately pretty good people. Sure, we've made some mistakes, but who hasn't? And whatever mistakes we've made are minor compared to those mistakes of others. That kind of thinking reminds me of what Jesus said. He who is forgiven much will love much, but he who is forgiven little will love little. The less forgiveness we think we need, the less we will love the Christ who forgives. That is the truth about the world, and that is the truth about our own sinful nature. John chapter 3, verse 19 says, Light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. My friends, we instinctively run from God until we believe in the forgiveness of our sins, until we see God not as the condemning judge, but as the forgiving Lord, the Savior. Point number two, whereas the world opposes the truth and runs from it, believers are programmed to respond to the truth. We are oriented toward the truth as believers. Jesus said in John 18, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. The truth resonates with you. It resonates with me because we are in Christ. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's the effect of the truth. We hear, we follow. Jesus said in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will glorify me, for he will take from what is mine and he will make it known to you. There's a park in the city of Lafayette in the central part of the town called Columbian Park. And I remember going there as a boy and there was an attraction called the Turnpike. And the Turnpike, on the Turnpike ride, you would you would drive a little gasoline-powered car along this winding turnpike. The cars would go maybe, I don't know, three or four miles an hour at top speed. But there were guardrails all along the turnpike. You could not go off the road. Well, God's law is like a set of guardrails external to us that keep us in bounds. And that illustrates the Old Testament way of God providing guidance for humanity. The guidance is external to us. It's law, it's threats, promises, coercion. It's external to us from the outside in. Now contrast that with what I saw several weeks ago when my wife and I were driving around the city of San Francisco Several times I would say to Harriet, Harriet, there's a Waymo car. Now, if you don't know, Waymo cars are Google's version of a self-driving car. Now, Waymo cars certainly don't require external guardrails. They don't even require a human driver. 
they stay on the road through a complex set of sensors and software to detect what is around the car and to respond accordingly. The cars will come to a stop, they'll speed up, they'll slow down, whatever they need to do, they'll turn because of what they sense around them. And I submit to you, that really illustrates life in the Spirit in Christ Jesus. Both the turnpike cars in Columbian Park and the Waymo cars on the street of San Francisco employ guardrails. The difference is the guardrails for the turnpike attraction are outside, they're external to the car, while the guardrails for the Waymo cars in San Francisco are internalized. They're internal to the car itself. In that sense, the person indwelt by the Holy Spirit is like the Waymo car because the guidance system is internal. It is not external to the person in question. For the person indwelt by the Spirit, the law of God is written on the heart. And the power to love others does not come from the law. It comes from the gospel inscribed on the heart. The good news that we have been supremely and sacrificially loved by God at the cross. And that is what life in the age of the Spirit is like. Point C. Jesus will reveal himself to the world through us, through you and through me. God does not give to the world a visible Holy Spirit. He gives the world a visible community of people under the influence of the Spirit. In verse 22, Judas, and this is the good Judas, not the bad Judas, Judas wants to know why Jesus will make himself visible to them, to the disciples, but not to the world. And it's a good question. And in so many words, Jesus replies by saying that he will make himself visible to the world through people who are guided internally by the Spirit of God. During his earthly ministry, our Lord dealt with people face to face, person to person, friend to friend. Today, Jesus deals with people the very same way, face to face, person to person, and friend to friend. And he does it through you and me, through people like us, people under the influence of the Holy Spirit, people whose guidance systems and guardrails are internal, not external. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.